SEJ Summit 2016 is coming to Santa Monica, Chicago, and New York City. With a focus on actionable marketing for SEOs by SEOs, SEJ Summit is a can't-miss event. Get $50 off your ticket now by using the code SEJNERD. Learn more at searchenginejournal.com slash SEJSummit2016. We're sitting on the most perfect beach in the world, and all we can think about is where... Where can I hook up my quantum? Digital pen part of work. Yeah, you apparently didn't put one of the new cover sheets on your TPS report. Who should we send it to first? Just a couple of people. The question is, who are they going to send it to? This podcast is brought to you by Search Engine Journal, and you're listening to Marketing Nerds. Hi, everyone. This is Kelsey Jones, executive editor at Search Engine Journal, and I'm joined here today by Danielle Antoz. She has a shiny new title this time, Features Editor. So, Danielle, welcome. I do. Thanks. So, we have another installment of Freelancers Forum today. So, Freelancers Forum is a running series on marketing nerds where we talk about issues that are prevalent to freelancers. Um, I know in the search and marketing as a whole community, there's tons of freelancers out there, consultants kind of doing their own thing. So we try to talk about topics that are relevant to them and have gotten good feedback. So we appreciate you guys listening and your ideas. Uh, today we wanted to talk about something that we've seen a lot um, in a couple Facebook groups that me and Danielle are in, which we can talk about later. Um, but basically it's when to make the leap to full-time freelance. So I feel like a lot of people just don't know when's the right time. Yeah. And it's hard to know, actually. It's scary to leave a full-time job with good benefits and regular pay. Yeah. Well, and I think it's kind of like having a baby, which you just did, you know, (laughs) like you, you feel like ready, but not you don't know if you'll ever be truly ready. Yeah, I do think that there's almost never a perfect time. Like, you're probably never going to have the perfect, okay, I want to have ten grand in the bank account. Um, and if you have ten grand in your bank account, good for you. But, <laughs> you know, it's, it's really hard to know. I mean, you definitely want to have a little bit of a cushion, right? You don't mm-hmm. want to be like, well, my rent's due next month, but I'm just going to quit my job. It should totally be okay. Well, I know one thing you and I both did is that we freelanced on the side in addition to our full-time job. So for me, when I made the point, when I made the break, you know, the run, I made a break for it and quit my full-time <laughs> job, I had enough income from freelance to um, that I knew I'd be okay to cover my bills. But I know that's not the case for everyone. Right. But, well, because there's a balance, right? Because otherwise you're working your full-time job 40 hours a week plus a commute, which can be upwards of 10 hours a week for some people, mm-hmm. um, plus trying to build your freelance up to a full-time job on nights and weekends. That can be really overwhelming. Yeah, it's it's pretty exhausting. And especially if you have a job where um, maybe you're selling something online, so you have to package all that stuff, deal with the optimization of your site, deal with content. I mean, I can't even imagine having to handle, you know, an e-commerce site as part of what your business is. Right. Um, I think for me, I definitely had built up a decent amount of freelance clients. I had SCJ. Um, I was part-time then and I had a couple of other clients 
I didn't have enough to totally replace my income. And I think expecting everyone, like I've heard that before, when you can completely replace your income, you know you're good to go. Mm-hmm. Sure, that sounds nice, but trying to do that and work a full-time job if you've got a family, it that's impossible for yeah, some people. Yeah, it is hard. Yep. Um, I think... I had a little bit of a cushion. My husband, who I think was not my husband at the time, (laughs) made enough to make sure we wouldn't be homeless. But a lot of it was on faith and a prayer. (laughs) Like, I'm just going to do it. I set a date. Like, that was just the thing. I just set a date. I was like, okay. I decided to do, I think I did the middle of February. And I chose that date because I would, we got our bonuses. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> at a certain time and I knew if I stayed through then I would get that bonus which would make freelancing a little bit easier and then I was just like screw it I'm gonna do it I was so scared it was very very scary yeah. to do um, I remember how nervous you were I mean we didn't talk about it a lot but I kind of picked that up you know how how nerve-wracking it was for you Oh yeah, it's terrifying. Um, one of the things I did do is I went and I talked to. I had I bartended and waited tables before I started working in content marketing and stuff like that. So I I talked to. I picked up a restaurant job a couple of days a week. I think I only was doing like two or three days, mm-hmm. and I did that honestly until I got pregnant or until I was pretty far into my pregnancy when standing behind a bar for six, seven hours at a time was not fun. Uh, But at that point, at that point I mostly just did to get out of the house because getting out of the house is nice when all you do is work from home. But I don't think there's anything wrong with having a backup plan. Like I've heard people say, well, if you have a backup plan, you're setting yourself up for failure. And I don't agree with that at all. Um, It's what gave me the strength to do it to quit my full-time job was okay. Mm -hmm. Worst case scenario. And that was the thing too. What's the worst case scenario? The worst case scenario, if I go full-time freelance and I fail, what's the worst possible thing that could happen? Um, I'll have to pick up a bartending job to pay my bills. Okay. I mean, not ideal, but not the end of the world. Yeah. I'm not going to end up homeless. I won't let myself end up homeless. I mean, not to say that people who are homeless, whatever, I'm not <laughs> saying that everyone that's homeless chose to be homeless, but just, you know, I, I knew I was driven enough that that wasn't going to happen. I could get, I wasn't against getting a retail job. If I have to flip burgers to pay my rent, I'll flip burgers to pay my rent. That never happened. But I don't know, for me thinking about what the worst case scenario is and facing it and going, okay, I can handle that. That's what gave me the strength to quit. I think to be able to succeed, you have to be like that. Like you have to be able to do what it takes to survive. Um, you know, because even if you're single and by yourself, you know, you were, you said that you were living with your now husband. Mm-hmm. But if you're someone that's by yourself, you have to know that, you know, when the going gets tough, you, you know, you have to be willing to maybe work at Panera or Starbucks or get another full-time job for another year or, you know, and if, if you are immediately resistant to that idea, but you're still scared, then honestly, I don't know if it's going to work because I feel like going out on your own, you have to have a level of scrappiness for lack of a better word. Yeah. And that might mean getting a roommate. It might mean, um, 
trading in your car for, you know, a car that your car payment's not as high. It might mean, you know, selling your car and getting a $2,000 car, which is what I've always had because I'm cheap. Um, (laughs) You know, it just, it depends on what it looks like for you. Yeah. Well, and realizing what your priorities are, you know, like if you don't really need a car and you could use a bike just fine and you don't carry their way, you know, it might Mm -hmm. be worth your while to sell your car. Yeah, depending on where you live, especially. And I mean, maybe it's even temporary. You're like, okay, I'll get rid of the car. It's not ideal for me not to have a car, but I can Uber. And, you know, in six months, if this freelancing thing takes off and I have the money, then I'll get another car. And that'll give you a little bit more freedom. Exactly. Especially Uh, with Uber, if you don't take cabs anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Another thing that um, a couple people have mentioned to me is, I don't even remember who it was. I think it was an old coworker. They got a pretty big tax return. And I'm not saying you should, you know, depend on your tax return for your livelihood. And also a disclaimer for this whole podcast, Danielle and I are not financial professionals. This is just our experience. Oh, but yes, um God, don't don't take us to Yeah, things. we I really don't know how I survive so <laughs> with all I the hate finance people. stuff. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, it was a couple grand, you know, it was more than she thought because normally she was getting, you know, a couple hundred. So right. she kind of took that as like, okay, well, I have a little bit of a cushion where I could last, you know, at least a month, if not two months. And yeah. so that kind of gave her the push. But nice. I think, you know, it's just, it depends on what's right for you. Like in your case, you had a partner that could maybe, that could cover you, you know, for a couple months or whatever right um you know if you're by yourself you know maybe that means saving up or getting a part-time job to kind of cover your bases just in case um sometimes it's a hybrid of the two you know Mm -hmm. waiting like what I did I waited until I chose to work a full-time job and then be absolutely slammed with freelance work where I had where I came to the point and I'm like okay something has you know has to give I'm working 80 hours a week to do freelance and full-time and that's that's what I chose I mean I think it just depends on what you can do your situation you know what you're comfortable with um, but I will say that you're always going to have a fear and it doesn't matter how ready you are um, even though I've been freelancing full-time you know permanently well it's not even really freelancing anymore it's just having my own business agreed um which is something else I think we've talked about before on a past episode. But, um, you know, it still is a little scary sometimes. And I've been doing it for this is my fifth year. So that that little tiny fear, it diminishes, but it never fully goes away. Yeah, absolutely. Well, because I just hit my two-year anniversary. Yeah. yeah, this is very exciting. I actually have a post on Facebook that comes up. My coworkers bought me a couple of my favorite work food items, which was the green tea monster that I don't drink anymore, and <laughs> sour cream and cheddar potato chips <laughs> as a going away gift. Um, and that pops up on Facebook every year. It's kind of cool. Um, what terrified me most, uh, and I never really got over that, was taxes. And it's tax season now, and I'm just like... I know. Well, um, that's something we can talk about. We're going to take a quick break uh, for a sponsor, and then let's talk about taxes when we come back. Sounds good. 
SEJ Summit 2016 is coming to Santa Monica, Chicago, and New York City. With a focus on actionable marketing for SEOs by SEOs, SEJ Summit is a can't-miss event. Get $50 off your ticket now by using the code SEJNERD. Learn more at searchenginejournal.com slash SEJSummit2016. All right. Uh, well, welcome back. Um, so the next topic, Danielle, I know you wanted to tackle was taxes. Yes. Which scare the crap out of me, too, every yes. year. <laughs> so I don't know if you use any software. I use FreshBooks, and this is not a sponsored thing. This is literally just what I use, and I like them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I pay like 20 bucks a month. But I like them for two reasons. First of all, I can bill clients through them, and they have a way that you can do, like I think it's PayPal business, where you are essentially getting a electronic check from your client. They pay through PayPal, but you only pay 50 cents instead of the percentage that you would normally pay. Mm -hmm. And that pays for itself. That pays for FreshBooks. The money that I save doing that pays for FreshBooks each and every month. Um, So in that sense, I think it's very, very much worth it. It makes it easy to do invoices. You can track your expenses, which is a big deal because it's, if you were going to end up with a shoebox at the end of the year and try to sort through that, you're probably going to make a mistake and it's just going to be absolutely overwhelming. I have the app on my phone. I have it on my computer. Anytime I buy something, I just put it in and I don't have to worry about it. It's so much easier to do it as you go because that's what I used to do. At the end of the year, I would take all my records from a spreadsheet and move them into my – at that time, I used QuickBooks. Um, And it would just take, I mean, out seriously, 10 to 15 hours. That's insane. Yeah. So uh, for the last two years, I've used GoDaddy Bookkeeping, which used okay. to be um, – I forget what it used to be called, but they acquired it. And it's actually awesome. But now uh, for 2016, I'm moving to 17 Hats. And again, this oh, – yeah. we're not sponsored by them at all. Um, and I'm moving to that because it lets you uh, build in proposals and quotes and invoices all into one thing. So that's why I'm moving. So it's all one platform. Um, but I do they do the business PayPal business thing too? No. So I looked that up. Only FreshBooks does that, and I didn't want huh. to move to FreshBooks. So I'm paying. I mean, probably I don't know, almost two grand in PayPal fees a year, which I know is really dumb when I could just use FreshBooks. But well, you can write that off too. To be fair, yes, exactly. So that's that's how I justify it. Even though, if you did use fresh books, it'd be cheaper. But I think it just depends on what works for you. And yeah. I know that I would use Seventeen Hats more, or you know, GoDaddy Bookkeeping more to keep track because I liked the platform better. Fair enough. Yeah, I'll stick with fresh books. <laughs> yeah, and everyone's different. Um, I know when I filed my taxes the first time, I I tried to find like a CPA. Um, I went to one guy. And he helps me get up. So you have to pay estimated taxes yes. when you're a freelancer. And it's really just a guesstimate. So I personally wouldn't stress too much about that. Um, again, not a tax professional. But <laughs> he helped me figure out the um, what I needed to be paying for estimated taxes. But I didn't go with him because he didn't seem to use computers. And that weirded me out. So like I made an appointment yeah, like with what him. What year is it? I know he made an appointment when I made an appointment with him. He literally like wrote it down in a book and then seemed confused when I showed up for the appointment. So I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. We're not going with this. 
So that turned me off to CPAs. Um, I'm sure I could have kept looking to find one, but I just didn't even know where to start. I ended up going to H&R Block. Um, again, not a sponsor, just where I ended up going. And it wasn't as terrifying as I thought it would be. That The taxes, doing my taxes at the end of the year is what scared me from going freelance. I probably would have gone freelance earlier. Um, but H&R Block, I think this year I'm going to use, um, one of the Facebook groups we're in is called Being Boss. And I asked there what people use for taxes and I had used TurboTax before to do my taxes because I was, I worked a traditional job. I didn't have kids. I didn't have any weird write-offs. I didn't have investments. Mm-hmm. So I always used TurboTax and pretty much everyone on there recommended TurboTax. So that's what I'm going to use this year. If you've got half of a brain, they walk you through it. They ask you questions. Yeah. That's what I, I expect use. it to work. Yeah. Well, and in Kansas, so I buy the home and business version. There's several different versions, but that's what I would recommend. Um, In Kansas, it's kind of weird. If you are a single-owned LLC, which is what I have, you can file your business taxes on your personal return. Oh, cool. So it makes it even easier. But I know um, even if it's not set up like that in your state, and again, you know, it's whatever is in your state. I'm pretty sure TurboTax, the home and business, can walk you through what you need to do. And it's so easy to use. And I like the progress as you're moving forward. It tells you what your return's going to be as you enter things in. And that it's kind of. It's so satisfying. I know. It kind of helps me keep chugging. chugging it on. does. And then every once in a while, when you enter something in and you're like, oh, I just lost $1,000 in my return. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's so funny. I actually finished our taxes last week. What? Look at you go. I don't even know who I am right now. (laughs) I don't even know how that happened. I will say it probably was, you know, making a commitment to entering expenses and stuff in, you know, right as they happen. Yeah. I have mine pretty automated. Like, so one of the things that I had to do was figure out, like, cause you can write off part of your rent or your mortgage if you work from home based on certain parameters. And I think TurboTax actually walked you through that as well. Um, You can write off a certain portion of your utility bill, a certain portion of your electricity bill. If you buy a new computer that's mostly for work, you can write off a certain portion of that. Um, There's a lot of write-offs. And so I remember TurboTax walking me through those last time. So I'm excited to see how that works out this time. Um, Because I do, I'm going to do the taxes for both me and my husband because he works a traditional job. But we're married, so I just enter his in on mine. And I think last year I ended up paying $400 to file my taxes, which sounds like a lot, and it was. But I liked having the security of knowing that, like, H&R Block would go to bat for you. Yeah. If you get audited. And for my first year, that was really important to me. It was worth the $400 just for the peace of mind. And I can write off that $400 this year. Exactly. Yeah, whenever I had a business partner, we paid we had an accountant and it was like 1500. But Jesus. I mean, we had no idea what we were doing. I feel like now I have a, a I've more of an idea of what I'm doing and it's a lot easier since I'm a single-owned LLC and I don't have any employees. Right. Um so I will say that paying someone to help you, whether that's to do your taxes every year or to set you up for estimated payments, um, etc. is worth it. Um, TurboTax will uh, help you figure out estimated payments. At least they yeah. did in my case. So that's another bonus for using them. 
Yeah, and the IRS very helpfully mails me things every year so I can pay my estimated taxes. So I know you had mentioned a little bit earlier that you, it's kind of just an, a guesstimate for estimating taxes. Do you do a percentage or do you go strictly by, you know, the worksheet that the IRS can let you use to figure out what you're going to owe next year or how do you do it? I didn't know the IRS had a worksheet. Um, yeah, there's I mean, a worksheet. We'll link to it in the recap. There you go. <laughs> um, no, I guess. Um I think I just read a thing earlier today on TurboTax that said the self-employment tax is like 15.6%. And I usually estimate, I expect to, I set aside about 20%, 20 to 30%, which is an overshoot. But I have a separate business account and 20 to 30% goes into that account that way. And then I pay my estimated taxes. I think last year I paid like a grand or two every time. Um, I, I tend to overpay. I prefer to overpay. Some oh, people are too. like, no, you're giving the government a tax-free loan. I'm like, whatever. I'd rather them have a tax-free loan than me owe thousands yeah. of dollars at the end of the year. Yeah, right after Christmas. And you're like, oh, crap, where am I going to come up with all this yeah. money? <laughs> it feels like free money. It I does. know. I don't care what anybody says. I like it. <laughs> I know. And I know you're giving them a loan, like you said. But to me, it's worth it. I... I probably put in 30 to 33%. Um, it might be a little less this year because Kansas has this dumb legislation, which I don't agree with, which is probably a whole other podcast. <laughs> but um, they don't – if you're a single-owned LLC, again, you don't have to pay state income tax. Well, I've been giving them money anyway because I'm like, well, that just can't be right or – you know, knowing my luck, there'll be some loophole, but they give it back to me. So this year, TurboTax told me I didn't have to pay any state income tax. So um, I'll probably stick with like the 30% that I'll save for federal. That's um, nice. But it just is good to know your own state laws and then um, what tax bracket you'll be in. I don't know enough about how that factors into what your estimated payment is. Yeah, and well, and one of the things to consider too is when I did go to H and R Block last year, the lady told me that she was going to contact me, and she never did. But that aside, um, <laughs> if you're all right, so a certain amount of your income is taxable, and a certain amount of it is not. And so, yes. if you have um, an IRA, like a retirement account, you can move more of your money from like to keep yourself in a lower tax bracket. You can bump money from what you've earned into your retirement account, which generally will make it non-taxable and that can bump you down a tax bracket. So um, that might be something to look for if you see that you're right on the edge of being super rich or something. <laughs> well, and so again, totally not a finance professional, but I know. know what I'm doing, but I set up, so I have a Roth IRA which right. has a max contribution every year, I believe, of fifty five hundred, and um, and then I also set up a SEP IRA, which is um, something that my company, so my LLC, contributes money on my behalf, and it's a tax deduction for my company. Huh. So that's a SEP IRA. I use Vanguard um, for my oh, that's stuff. That's interesting. Yeah, so I have a total amount that I'm gonna that I go into my Roth IRA and my SEP IRA, and then I separate it. Um, so I calculate. 
I divide the Roth IRA max every year, which I think it increases every year because of inflation. I divide right. that by 12, and then that, that amount goes automatically from my personal checking into my Vanguard account. And then uh, the remaining of what I have budgeted for my total retirement, I put that, I have that set up to go automatically from my business account. And so then at the end of the year, again, thank you TurboTax, I just you know, put in that this was a contribution from my business for the SEP IRA part, and that's a nice. deduction. And um, so I feel good, you know, being able to take a deduction on it um, and being able to contribute more than the Roth IRA max because I kind of got started late uh, yes. contributing. Um, and if you're older than me, so I'm I'm almost 30, and you haven't started contributing, please start. <laughs> It's important, even if you're a freelancer or a consultant and you think you'll work forever. Start well, a retirement I have, account. I have like $100 in mine. Well, I need to work going. on that. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure my husband's going to get rich. So that now. Oh, okay. Um, that right. is actually one of the other things that scared me about starting. And I do have one set up. I use uh, Wells Fargo for banking. And I have one set up. And I need, yeah, I need to sit down with You them. just have to... Mi- to make yourself. And I know, um, it seems annoying or, you know, like you're not going to use that money for decades. You know, it's hard to think of the future, but I don't know. I just kind of, I made it, that's why I made it automatically come out. So I don't have to second guess it. It just is part of my budget that comes out. And I just try not to think about how much money it is. (laughs) That's, that's smart. Yeah. The automatic, I need to call Wells Fargo. Thanks, Kelsey. Put that on your uh, to-do list Yeah, this week or early next week. Yeah. So I think, what, we've got, there's never going to be a perfect time. Yep. Build a little bit of a, what's the word I'm looking for? Buffer. Not nest egg. Yes, a little bit of a buffer. But maybe you don't need as much as you think you do. Mm-hmm. And have a backup plan. Some people disagree with that, and that's that's cool. But um, I think having a backup plan, even if it's just in your head, is really important to know when it's the right time to go. Yep. And don't be afraid to hustle. If you don't have a hustle mentality, it's going to be a lot harder for you to be to make it work. Because I will tell you, and I'm sure, Danielle, you are the same. There were months where I just was like, did I make the right choice? What am I doing? You know, certain times of year, it's less money. And so I feel like, and I know we've talked about this before, but I feel like as you kind of get used to the ebb and flow, you're able to prepare for it a lot better. I I still freak out every year right around Thanksgiving. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, November and December are and beginning of January notoriously slow in our industry. Um, people kind of just check out. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's not a whole lot of writing jobs. People push things off. Um, people that, you know, so if I'm working for say an agency, their clients are kind of dragging. So they're dragging, mm-hmm. which makes work for me drag. And I, it doesn't matter. I freak out every year. I'm like, holy crap. What am I doing? And I'm like, oh yeah, this this is why I save all year. And that's the thing too is I have a savings account that I throw a couple hundred bucks in every month, yep. just for those times or 
four times when, you know, my monitor breaks randomly and stuff like that. Having that little bit of savings that's not my personal savings helps too. Yeah, I do that too. I have a savings account. I guess it's kind of my business and personal combined. But sometimes I'll get to use it for vacation like I did last year when I went to Europe. And then sometimes it's if I need, you know, a couple hundred to make a payment on something or like you said, I have to replace something. So it is good to keep saving even if you are making it. You know, you just, yeah, you got to be ready for anything. I heard a quote today. Sorry if I don't know the source of it and somebody else out there listening does. But it was this guy was talking to a dentist who was really making it, making good money. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know, I'm still living paycheck to paycheck, but now I'm just making a car payment on a Corvette instead of a Honda. And huh. I was like, yeah, I don't want to do really that. That's really interesting. Yeah. So that's another thing you guys should think about as you think about going freelance or starting your own business is – you know, so many people expand their uh, expenses with their income, and you don't have to do that. I mean, I know as you make more money, you know, you might get that, a nicer car that's more reliable, but you don't have to. So think about that, too, when you're making a budget and planning and trying to decide what you want to do. Or shop more on Amazon, you know, whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's your money, but you don't – I think what I'm trying to say is don't be as scared of it. Don't ignore what your spending is and don't spend yeah. to spend and don't spend to try to prove something. Absolutely. So any other parting words you want to give to our audience? I have to say just do it. If you're considering it, just do it. Yes. It is fun. It's awesome. If you have a family – um, or even just friends, or even just things you want to do, it makes life so much easier and more flexible. So it does. That's what I love about it. Absolutely. Yeah, so thanks again for joining me, uh, Danielle, for another Freelancers Forum. Thanks for having me. And until next time. This Marketing Nerds podcast has been brought to you by Search Engine Journal. For more news, interviews, and how-to guides from marketing experts from around the world, visit us at searchenginejournal.com. SEJ Summit 2016 is coming to Santa Monica, Chicago, and New York City. With a focus on actionable marketing for SEOs by SEOs, SEJ Summit is a can't-miss event. Get $50 off your ticket now by using the code SEJNERD. Learn more at searchenginejournal.com slash SEJ Summit 2016.